Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through Matrix on the 17th of December 2017. When you look over the nonsense presented as news today, most of it is handouts by corporations, manufacturers, or, or the big planning committees and foundations that work with globalism and pushing international agendas and financial agendas and mega cities and things like that, even down to the corporations which deal at the moment and have and, and deal with the future coming up of even larger international mega cities across the whole planet. And the terrorism that will be involved as a, as a way of life, as a normal way of life. And then it, you find these handouts come from the companies that help to, to survey everybody. It was a business, in other words. Almost everything you read now is a big, big business. Government's a massive business. The international government is a business, and there is an international government. When you see the, the articles out about what countries are collecting millions or billions from China and other countries too. And this is to the politicians and their parties and so on. It makes a complete farce of the idea of even voting for a, a supposed national government. But we do live in escalating madness. And this is also the age of basically death by satire. Because in all tyrannies, you get to a stage where people are accused of saying things or doing things or whatever it happens to be, having wrong think and own think and self-think and self-thought and all this kind of stuff that you'll find in the Orwellian writings. It's all pretty well here and getting worse, actually. We saw it all in the communist regime with the terminology where they spoke like bureaucrats. They couldn't just come out with a, a simple statement or something. That'd be bureaucraties. Look at the way they're even rights. Look at the, the stuff that comes out of the United Nations with lifelong bureaucrats working there. It's gobbledygook nonsense. These people couldn't plan to go out for, to a restaurant for a meal and, and get there the same day. By the time they figure out what they're all saying, it'd be completely lost, the, the whole idea of what you're about. That's how bad it is. And yet they think it's normal. And what it is, is, as I mentioned before, to do with the class system we're in. We have a class system now of bureaucrats, international bureaucrats, as though they're superior to everybody else. And they talk down to us. And you'll find big foundations have layers of bureaucrats too, who talk this exact same way. Some foundations have bigger um, departments of bureaucrats than some countries on the planet. These private corporations do the same thing. And they do, they always create their own language. It's like creating a new science. Let's call it a science. Therefore, it has to be special. And if it's special, because generally most sciences, when they start off, there's nothing much to it at all. It's, it's generally opinions and ideas. So to get everyone to respect you and to look up to you and to even submit to your authority, which is always the goal of all power, Systems, including sciences, then you have to get a new kind of language that only you lot understand. Look at the terminology coming out of the, of the bureaucrats across the planet and the abbreviations for everything. 
They have, they have dictionaries of them now. There's that, there's that much of this nonsense going on. But that all came out of the class system, the old class system, where it was very obvious, again, as I mentioned before, by the accent that you had, the dialect you used within places like Britain, and even Germany too. They had their upper and higher and lower German so And in Britain, it was very prevalent because you had to take elocution lessons if you got to go to the better schools or you got scholarships and so on. And you'd have to learn to speak like that. And it's almost like learning to have a speech impediment. But if you did it properly and you spoke slowly, you don't want to speak slowly, you might just pass as someone who, who spoke the upper class Queen's English. I've gone through the history of that before. It was, it was derived from the way that they spoke it and from the German going into the English when they brought in the, the George group into England. And then the, the courtiers around them and the court start adopting the same accent to be special. And eventually it goes into universities and it filters down to the population. But that's, it, it, this is the nonsense of humanity. If you look at different species of animals, you'll find it in the great apes and the monkeys and chimpanzees and so on. So you'll see similar things like that to an extent. There's definitely the formats that you follow. In, in the little tribe of monkeys. And it's the same with people. The same with people. It's, it's so ridiculous, too. In Britain, it wasn't just the, your accent that was your giveaway. It doesn't matter how bright you were. Nothing to do with how bright you were. You're immediately classed as, oh, you're the wrong sort, you see. And you, you couldn't have a nobility within you and noble thoughts and feelings if you're a commoner. It was impossible. That's what they, they believed in breeding. The eugenics idea was an old idea. But they, they so differentiated themselves until the language at times was just absurd and the, and the dialect that the upper class would actually use. It became absurd to an extent. And then after two world wars, they tried to start toning it down a little bit because it was so obvious to the world, this, this, this country was so laden with snobbery uh, that, that uh, they had to be changed. And don't forget, to the same country, Britain, at one time, had other th- laws passed to stop commoners from trying to emulate, as they called it, emulating their betters. And you couldn't wear silk at one point, like a silk scarf or something, unless you were one of the nobility. Things like that, just ridiculous things. But this is human nature, and every country is the same thing. Every, every country is the same thing. It's the same thing. You'll find it from, from the, the old, old meetings with the African tribes, for instance, and the head man would have his servants or his wives or whatever unroll this roll, like a bedroll almost, containing prized possessions when you visited. And that was the done deal. Today, people show you their, their houses and their rooms is a boring experience. It's more common in the U.S. and Canada than it is back in Britain, for instance, or at least it was. Because it, then when you visited someone, you went to visit the someone. It wasn't to see the house or to go ooh and ah about what they had and all that. But anyway, humans have these definite traits and to differentiate themselves with different classes. And it's never been so obvious as it is today with the bureaucrats within governments 
and the bureaucrats who also go back and forth, like the CFR group do, the higher-level bureaucrats can go into private businesses and corporations and foundations and back into the, the government again. It's revolving doors, really. And they look down the general population, like, what do you know, you peasants? I mean, that, that's how they see it. They really do. And they won't even try to explain something to, to most peasants because you would never understand it. You haven't been through the years of listening to this, this specialized terminology they're created to separate themselves from you. That's all it is, basically. And for renegades down through history with all of this, people who've stood up for common sense and rationality, you'll always suffer. You will always, always, always suffer because there are certain traits in humanity that are well understood by those at the very top who understand all of this kind of stuff. But there's, there's traits, and they know that, and it's strange enough, a couple of people have mentioned in the last week or two with me, but people, and I've said, well, don't, don't expect people to even stand up for you, even people you might work with, because when it comes to the crunch, when you're doing the right thing and they all know it's the right thing and they all agree with you it's the right thing, when it comes to crunch, they'll choose their paycheck before they'll do the honourable thing and stand beside you. Even if it's to save someone's life or something like that, they'll desert you and they'll hang their heads in shame. But that's that's human nature. And, for, and this is a, a pretty disgusting system we live in where everyone's afraid of poverty and being on the street and losing their job and losing their, 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 their little hovel or wherever, wherever they happen to live and ending up on the street. It's a, it's a sad thing, terribly sad. But that's also human nature. You'll find the crowds of people, crowds, always want the someone, the one, like the movies, to come along and do all the stuff for them, which is fantasy. If you do expect someone to do it all for you, you'll be given the someone, but they won't do what you want because uh, the big boys that control the world will put the someone in, or say the right, right things to get in, and then they turn ups, upside down everything that you, that you uh, want them to do. Because only you can stand together for solidarity and do anything at all. That's the only time that people will actually listen and take you seriously. I was thinking about all the political correctness today and the forced absurdity which is awfully important. As I said before, when, when, when you can get suicide, you commit suicide by satire in a totalitarian regime. They call totalitarian regimes totalitarian because, because they will not accept any other way of life or point of view. They won't do it. There's no compromise with them. There's no live and let live. It's their way or, or no way. You'll find it, for instance, traits of it, even in religion, all religions have, have had this to an extent, where you must quote all the right things according to, the, especially the old days, the old tribal customs and so on, and, and religions, and you couldn't question anything, uh, or they'd turn against you, or stone you, or something. And then you get into to, to the, the whole idea of belief systems, where if you didn't quite go along with something, one thing or another, and there's always bits of truth on all sides, by the way, bits of truth on all sides, 
Lots of books will give you nothing but one side or the other one side complete, but never bits of this and bits of that, which is how life generally is. But if you're forced, if you're forced under torture or death to make a choice of saying what seems rational and logical to you or suffering the consequences, most folk would, would go along with the flow. Because who wants to get pain or, or death for that matter? But occasionally you'll get someone who will go along the whole way and say, I'm not going to say this or believe that or do this or whatever. And then you went into, again, the enlightened phase, with the enlightenment. And then we had the social revolutionary movements. And believe you me, the Thomas Paines in the world were not spontaneous characters. He belonged himself, and he said in his own writings, to inter- intergenerational revolutionaries. This was a massive, long, long-going movement for world revolution. And the revolutions that they were in then too, all, all they were very similar to the communist revolutions right to the present day as to what's going on. And you don't even recognize what they are because you don't use the word communism. The end of marriage, the absurdity, they would say, of marriage, and the absurdity of just, you know, committing to someone simply for sex when you should have sex with anybody you want, promiscuity. That was, that was going on a couple hundred years ago or and even further back. You found, too, that they wanted abortion and all the things that eventually brought in to the communist system, which is simply a later phase of the same revolutionary movement. And when you enter this wonderful world of humanity, where humans, humans, the pinnacle, had done away with all the different gods and so on, and, and common sense and reason would rule, you were put in asylums in Russia and the Soviet bloc countries, or put to, to gulags and, and worked to death, or you were simply slaughtered on the spot by the millions for not going along with what they, what, what they, they demanded from you. Do you believe, if you didn't believe that the Soviet system was the best system in the world, you were diagnosed as mentally ill or a counter-revolutionary. If you're mentally ill, you could lobotomize you and use it for experiments, which a lot of them did get done to them the Soviet system, or you get slaughtered as a counter-revolutionary. That's the tolerance of when, hum- when humans by themselves are in charge of everything. A lot of people knew in the Soviet system, occasionally you get the occasional, the occasional real rare and wonderful individual who stand up, just stand for their own personal choice. They know they won't change anything, but they stand up for something a kind of personal integrity or something, they stand up. And when it's their turn and they say, do you believe in it? Oh, yeah, sure. No, they'll, they'll say, no, it's absurd. And they'll, they'll say why it's absurd. And they might go through different inquiries. It's a given a, you can go through a repentant phase and, and join the fold again. Or you'll stand firm and you'll, you'll go through your different categories and, until they decide what they're going to do with you. But one thing is for sure, they're not going to tolerate you continuing to walk around and, and to either behave or say the kind of things that you've said already. Because, you see, true liberalism is completely, it's, it's, it's a religion in itself of this, this, this strange thing where man, man becomes God, and man is God. And since so there's nothing but man, 
then men and women can decide what's to happen to you. Because you have different opinions from them. You might say this particular agenda is not working. God help you. If that's still in, in, in vogue, the bureaucratic types who are just like robots will go along and, and punish you in the whole bit until they're told to stop or just finish you off. But occasionally saying that you, in, in totalitarian countries, the rare individual, and even playwrights in different places in Latin America, w- w- would write things, write plays, showing things in satire, which is an ancient technique, knowing darn well they were committing suicide by, by doing this. And they would be right, they, w- they would get tortured and Horrible deaths eventually, but lots of torture first to make sure that all those who, who may have a similar idea to do the same kind of thing will get the message and shut up and, and, and conform. Freedom always leads to totalitarianism when you throw off all the glue and, uh, that held society together, the social norms. In a well-adjusted society, I'm not talking about the system that ruled over people, but well-adjusted people themselves in the society and communities that doesn't have much in the way of public support, like, like taxpayer-funded agencies and welfare systems and so on. The folk did help each other out. I lived in a, a, such a system when I was really small. And you could see it. Uh, the people, if somebody was sick, they would you'd take turns going in to bring in food and so on. And people were terminal at home too, and dying, things like that. That was real society before the agencies all got involved and took over. In those same societies, you could have one policeman on the beat, not driving around in cars, who would walk around to different areas. And there could be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, maybe even over a thousand people live in that area. And there was hardly any trouble at all because there was a natural, a natural form of self-policing in, in a, a working society, a workable society. Where everyone knows the rules, everyone's got the same, that was a big thing too, the same culture at the time. So everyone knew the rules. And because of that, you, you didn't find all the incredible Mayhem that you have today And as government steps in And in and in with all this expert this and expert that And it's social engineering You get more and more problems Until you're living in a form of open asylum And that's where we are today Where cultures have existed for thousands and thousands of years Are being squashed Deliberately so People are putting up with it because their culture generally is very accepting (laughs) to their detriment too. But there are obviously forces behind all of this. There's obviously two people who are going to benefit from all of this. There's always big money behind all these changes. Big corporations, big big clubs, you might say. Big big, uh, brotherhoods, big tribal groups. All things behind... All the big changes, always, always, always at the very top, making lots and lots of cash as they juggle the world. Now remember, and I've given so many talks over many years on the Fabian Society, 
And years ago, they were far more open, the world revolutionaries, far more open about, number one, who they were and what they wanted to do with the world. You'll find from the Fabian Society, like H.G. Wells and Bernard Shaw and other people too, and Sidney and Beatrice Webb, they wrote copious stuff, screeds and screeds of stuff on the future and how they would use the working people to bring in socialism. But socialism, remember, was an expertly run society where the better educated, those with the intellect, they said, would basically take the, the place of the rulers. And the system they would bring in would be a more totalitarian system where you would just do what you're told by your betters. Same darn thing. It's actually worse than the old system. And the old system, say, in Britain, you had your nobility and so on, but they often left you alone. Not in the socialist system. The socialist system wasn't going to leave anybody alone. It was going to manage all of you and train you how to live properly according to themselves. And as Bernard Shaw came out and said it, and there's an old, old clip of him actually saying it. You'd have to go to them to tell them why they should allow you to remain alive. What were you going to do for their society? And they were backed in the Fabian society by... That's their family. Multi-billionaires in their day. Nothing changes, you know. Very old system, this revolutionary system. And getting back to the dysfunction they caused across the whole planet as they were remaking it, that was a symbol they used of H.G. Wells and Bernard Shaw's two of the founders, co-founders of the society, on behalf of their betters, the ones above them, <laughs> And the two of them are battering, and you'll see it in the old pane glass window that they had. The the whole system was put into a picture form of the two two of them battering the world, the globe, on an anvil. And it means reshaping the whole planet. That meant everything on it and in it. And that's what you're going through today. If you haven't quite figured it out yet. It's a continuation. Don't forget the same societies that ran the right-wing groups also ran, and still do, the left-wing groups. And they run the Royal Institute for International Affairs, private organization, which also runs the European Union, and they have a, a separate one for Europe. It's all the same organization. One for the Far East, and they have the one for North America, CFR, and such. The global plan, revolution, perpetual revolution. And folk can't quite fathom that, doesn't mesh. They can't think of the old British system, which wasn't British, by the way, because the revolutionaries came into Britain, and through their financial zeal, they took over a long time ago and used Britain as an, a base for an empire. And then the empire was to morph into a world empire, with the U.S. taking over for a while. Then it was to go to China. That's still to come. That's in the process right now. But they wrote lots and lots of books about it from themselves. So you don't think, there's, there's no conspiracy involved here. And uh, because they did publish books, most folk don't read them now. The media is not going to tell you what they're up to because the media is part of it. All the media boys generally are members of the same organization. At least the editors and owners are. 
That's all you have to do. So they give you rubbishy stories like we're getting today. They're giving you the signs. It's like trying to, to look at bits and pieces of mayhem after an explosion. But before you know it, it was an explosion that caused the mayhem. And try to figure it out. that The media is not going to put it together for you. They just show you the fallout. Because the fallout, without telling you the causes for it all, will lead, help them lead you to the next stage of change, planned change. This is causing mayhem. Oh, therefore we must do blah, blah, blah. And this is how it goes, step by step by step. And getting back to what I'm saying, the occasional person who done through history would say the right thing. And suffer. And they're forgotten because we're like that. That's what humans are like. You know? But they stood up for themselves. And they stood up for the, their, their own brain, their own mind. And some of them would say their, their own God-given mind, for that matter. And when they were trying to force them to recant or say something different or whatever, that there is the image. That's the image of the utter evilness of totalitarian regimes when they try to force someone to believe or say something else. Or else. And then they get sent off to a firing squad. Or worse, before they get sent off to a firing squad. And nothing has changed in society. Nothing has changed. We've got the same brain sizes we had thousands of years ago. Nothing's changed. The same driving instincts and impulses and drives that you're born with, really. So nothing has changed. So don't ever, ever allow yourself to be fooled by the claim that we're, we're somehow... We're somehow risen above all of that, like we've evolved suddenly between one world war and the next world war, or whatever it happens to be. We've suddenly evolved. It's utter rubbish. The more we go into the system of blatant tyranny, when when you're forbidden to say things, forbidden, by your governments, for goodness sake. That tells you how far gone the whole, this whole revolution has progressed. And tells you watch even, even the nouns that you use now, and pronouns, and personal pronouns and all. You can't say he or she in some countries now, if you're teaching at colleges and so on. All forced upon the people by whom? How can in a democracy, any group, get the right to force their thoughts and, the, and change the behavior of another group. Well, when you're seeing it happen, actually happen, not even talked about, but happen, then you're in big trouble because it's not going to end there. It's not going to end there. We watch it happening. Now, there's something else to remember about this system of planned revolution. Constant, same, same revolution. The same goals and the same perfection, then super-perfection and micro-perfection in different areas of the same goals. But don't ever think that it's somehow finished and over. In the 90s, I gave talks on this. And I went into the, even the alchemy that was used as a, as a, as a, a language for initiates at the time. 
Because to say things openly at that time would have, would have brought destruction on themselves by the system that ruled then. Because what they're dealing with is a revolutionary system. The system is to a complete overthrow of everything. And everything, absolutely everything. The family, the man, the woman, everything. And so they couched everything in the perfection, the perfectibility of man. And changing base metals into gold, meaning humanity, into the enlightened being. But it didn't stop there. They also had the hermaphrodite everywhere you looked and all their symbology. The male, the female, into one. And then out of that will come the new being, the new creature. And they're still going at it today. And you think all this is a coincidence, don't you? Well, I could count, you can count, do it yourself, how many countries have gone along with this already and promoting it. You're dealing with a technique which creates the new religions. Because you must always use religious techniques to create the fanatics who, who are your vanguard and who have no toleration for any outside points of view, who will do the dirty work and the nasty stuff that we've seen in the Soviet Union and we've seen it in all the revolutions where millions of people got slaughtered, cold-bloodedly slaughtered. Don't forget that for a second. This is trouble time. And satire can be suicidal. And speaking the truth can be suicidal today. That's where it's all meant to go. When I think of the toleration that people had, have had for as long as I can remember, for the oddball ones here and there, you say, well, you know, they aren't harming anybody. Well, the people who are ruling you today won't give you that same kind of thing and say, well, you know, you know everybody's allowed their opinion. Oh, no, oh, no you're not. <laughs> No, you're not. And out of that comes a fanatical ruthlessness. And it's not healthy whatsoever. I always used to give talks as well about not just history itself or the religions and how the religions were often used by the very clever. You could take, you know, if you, if you have a religion founded by a founder, any founder, no matter what this founder did, and proved at the time, once they're dead, the system that takes over always becomes corrupted. Sometimes the corruption moves in with, with those who take it over, right away, on purpose. There's psychopaths in all societies and all generations. Some of them are very successful. Many psychopaths breed with other psychopaths in, in the successful categories. And they are ruthless to other people too. But you also have other psychopaths who become fanatics, who sniff causes. They sniff it in the wind. They sniff which way the wind is moving when it comes to voting or even running for office and things like that. That's how a psychopath works. And they jump on board. And they knew all, they'll know all the catchphrases and terms to use immediately and be even more convincing than someone that actually believed it. The same people know how to use the religious nature of humanity to get the, the vanguard, as I say, of the ruthless fanatics going. And it's always the same techniques that are used. But you must always create this devotee system of almost a, a fanatical religion. When you look into the causes to get things stirred up in the past, 
They must always present what appears to be causes to the public. To find the real fringe group, there's always people on the fringes of society who can't fit into anything. The, the hostile group, the surly group, the ones who are always criticizing every darn thing because nothing's right when they're young. They try to find the ones who, who can't fit in and then they give them the cause. And that becomes your base group for your advanced guard of fanaticism. The always, it's always the same technique that's used. Always. The nihilists and the atheists, they call them, are let loose upon the public. That's what you do. Albert Pike talked about it. And don't forget that he, in his position, taught Mazzini of the World Revolutionary Movement that became the Communist Movement. And that's what they said they'd do. Eventually they would release the nihilists and the atheists upon the people. Well, you try to reason with fanatical nihilists and fanatical atheists. When you become a fanatical atheist, you're in a religion. <laughs> it's all for the party. It's all for the cause. It's all for the whatever they, they're given at the time. And they're ruthless. And that's what's always used upon the people. What do you think will happen when all the social norms that were derived from millennia, we're told, of habitation on the planet are removed? What do you think is going to happen? That suddenly you'll be free? Really? There are consequences to everything, every action. I've said it so many times, and so many folk have said it after me, after hearing me, mind you, but for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction. For instance, the free love thing that was going on in the 1800s, part of the revolutionary movement, actually was going on even before that in France, we were trying all that stuff. Free love, and don't bond with anybody, the sexual impulse should be kept separate from bonding. It's a natural thing, you see, once again, because then it takes the two, at least, to, to not just to meet the child, but to support the child, take care of them. With the state take, jumping in, they say you don't need that anymore. So they're, they're achieving their goals. For, for those who think the government's a great thing, it's part of the revolutionary movement, in fact. <laughs> at least it is today. And so you remove the necessity for two partners, male and female, to produce the child and support the child. And you give a welfare system instead. So the, all of society then is, is responsible for all the rest of society and, and for uh, raising children who don't have parents living together or for, for paying for abortions. It's all fallout from changing which evolved over, again, millennia. As nature found it, obviously the best way for, for humans to exist was this, it wasn't the, you would say, the perfect system. There's no guarantee that there's a couple going to get on very well at all. But it was the best system for, for guaranteed survival of the species. And now it's been all knocked apart and substituted with something else, which again falls into this new creation they're talking about, and they were talking about in alchemy a long, long time ago. And folk won't, can't tie this together. They think it's all separate things occurring. Of course it isn't. A long time ago I used to wonder if it was a natural death wish. 
for all of society to allow this to continue down through centuries. This revolutionary movement and its mass slaughters and its fomentation of wars, because even H.G. Wells of the Fabian Society said after World War I, they haven't given up all their sovereignty completely. And that's what they hoped to get from a great war, as they called it. And then it became the First World War, it was called. And he said, we need another one. And then after World War II, it was the same thing. Eventually he said, we need another one again. So they used wars, massive wars, larger and larger wars, which destroys and depletes a nation, not just of, of humanity itself, but also its gross domestic product. And, and it, it lives on nothing but borrowed money through the wars and then afterwards for a while. So they can get your way by doing that too, to your big, big plan. It's true, too, it's very, very true, in times of these mass changes, which the big boys have talked about for a long time. It comes down to almost a competition between the most nationalistic groups of people, which are often the least ones you'd ever suspect of being so. Because the ones who, who used to have nations, like Britain and so on, are being completely demolished gradually, but something's fast too, but demolished by design, same across Europe. Uh, those who make it all happen have always used the excuse, well, if, you, if we don't do this and unite Europe and so on and finish off this, these, these, these races of, of people, of Europeans, then they'll kill off the whole world with their wars. That's always been their excuse. But of course they have other reasons behind doing that Because often the people who will say that Belong to a group that will take over Over all of them This is what humanity is like Getting back to the chimps and so on Don't ever think a chimp is stupid You watch the games they play on humans And and the games they'll play on each other Don't ever think they're stupid And you must take the same techniques And look at humanity itself And don't, don't take everything at face value of how it's presented to you. You always say, who's benefiting from all of this? And it doesn't take rocket scientists to do a little bit of research. It's so easy to find all the groups that, that, that blatantly talk about benefiting from this big forced system that they're changing us all to go through and go into. Very well. And again, go into the archive section, remember at cuttingthroughmatrix.com, and you'll find lots and lots of stories and evidence that will check you into these realms that I've talked about over the years of histories, the psychologies, the behaviorist organizations, psychiatric and psychological associations. All these things are used for political agendas and social political agendas for the, for the World Revolutionary Party, remember, too. I'm not making this up. This is documented by a lot of their founders, in fact. And after a little while, everything that's revolution becomes the normal, the new normal, and you accept it as normal, and, and, and that's it. But very few folk ask how it got there, what was there before it. We adapt so quickly, don't we, to the system. Even when it's horrific and totalitarian, you'll adapt to it. And you'll see that if, you, if you're a thinker at all, and, and you're aware of things, you'll see those around you, regardless of the class system, adapting as well, and using the PC terminology and so on, because that's how they're going to survive. They, they know, they all know. Behind all the changes, planned changes, dramatic and drastic changes, especially in culture, 
you get it pretty quickly, what you're supposed to say and think and do and how you're going to behave. Because behind it all, there's always an or else. There's always an or else. And you're coerced into going along with it. Or else. And the societies that were so free, they'd allow all this to be brought in gradually, (laughs) are being demolished. Isn't that amazing? The ones that had way more democracy are being demolished under the guise of being truly democratic. And folk can't see it. They can't see the system coming in, which is totalitarian. And it's here. It's here. I'll just rush through some stories before the night's over. I didn't even want to talk about stories tonight because most of it's nonsense anyway that they're giving you. Or it's handouts, as I say, that's, that's PR pieces that glorifies the coming super city-state and so on, and the, the smart cities and, and all these big private philanthropists that you never vote in. They just suddenly appear eh, to rule the new rulers of the world. But they know, how, again, how you're supposed to live and so on, just like I've been talking about tonight, this revolutionary movement you thought was all over with a long time ago. Eh? Here's one story. And it's to do again with a Professor Jordan Peterson. I mentioned him before in Toronto because he, he dug his heels in when he was he's being forced to start using the new terminology, the political correct terminology with, with gender identity or whatever. He was going against gender neutral pronouns. He's supposed to say Z and some other things instead of he or she, things like that. Because, again, a group has got more power over all the rest of society today by those at the very top who have decided that this, they're going to make this song. That one group can, can go over, can literally ride shotgun over the rest of society, and no one thinks that's odd. Hmm? Anyway, a teacher at Wilfrid Laurier University was getting investigated. Her name is Lindsay Shepherd, And... The investigation apparently is complete, but the public are not going to get to see the report. It's a teacher. And it says here, Shepard's sin was to show her class a short clip of a televised debate involving the controversial Jordan Peterson. And even that itself, controversial Jordan Peterson. A man who, who is wanting to continue, as he's always been, in the culture he was brought up in, saying and calling things the way that they're called by, by the language. But he's called controversial because he won't go along with his stance against the gender-neutral pronouns. Can you, can you realize what we're talking about here? Where you're, you're being forced to change something that, 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 that's not nasty in any way at all, that the, the way the pronouns already were. Anyway, it says she's a graduate student and teaching assistant who's browbeating last month at the hands of two Laurier professors and the acting manager of the school's Gendered Violence Prevention and Support Program prompted a firestorm of reaction. I'll just put it up for anybody who cares to see it. And you can actually hear being quizzed, I think, in in, uh, one audio. It's a third degree. It's like something out of a movie. That's what I thought. Something out of a movie to do with the Salem witch hunt or something like that, the trials. Really? And when she stands up for sanity and logic and so on, 
that's detrimental to her, her, her case. I mean, why is there a case in the first place? But that's where you're going. And to so say satire, you can't even satirize things now because it can be suicidal. Because we're dealing with a system now that is not going to tolerate any other opinion except this new format, this new terminology. In the French Revolution, there was little terms that they used in the French Revolution to make sure you were one off them. You were all suddenly called, oh, what was it they called them in France? It was citizen. You're all a citizen now. That was your, you're equally citizens, you see. And the Soviet system had comrades. The Nazis had, had the Nazi party, or a Nazi. So you all had to, and this is, it's, it's a continuation of all the same kind of terminology. It really is, all this stuff. And you'd have your, your language changes and so on, and you couldn't say something that was now forbidden in, in any of these systems. Because it was, it was deadly. You, you, were, you, you were committing suicide by saying something that's forbidden, which used to be okay. <laughs> Quite some, isn't it? Eh? You better really, as I say, for those, it probably won't change anything, because it's obviously from the very, very top. All cultural changes are sanctioned at the very top, and that means above the government. Those foundations and so on, and, and all the big multi-billionaires and trillionaires that finance guys into office, men and women, are the guys who are the bosses. And nothing is really grassroots. Because it could upset the apple cart if it's something that's truly grassroots. I can pretend it is, but it's generally not. So everything is sanctioned at the top, as Plato said. Always remember that. Now, some other things I want to talk about quickly here. And one is mutant mosquitoes. It says, could the zoo of mutant mosquitoes lead the way to eradicating Zika? Another one of these many articles out there to do with, oh, we can use all these insects and modify them and so on to kill off diseased mosquitoes. They've tried it with West Nile virus and other things too and, and so on. It's all, it's all theoretical. Bill Gates, of course, has used them as well across different parts of the world, without our permission, mind you, but... But these, uh, these new masters that we don't elect, seem to, who appoint themselves, uh, just seem to know what to do with the world, you know. We're all too stupid to let the masters do it for us. But what's interesting here is how they get the public used to something, step by step by step. Something that you'd say, oh, yuck, not just eating them, as they're trying to push us eating insects now. But getting us used to the idea that, that science is our god. See, science is our god now, you know. Sci- that's again, too. Science can blur genders by doing all kinds of things, either surgically or, or genetically. And they're talking about, you know, modifying various, not just sperm and ovum, or, or in the womb, too. They, they can keep modifying and modifying and modifying. To get that creature I mentioned before, a long time ago, back in the 90s, that they're always aiming to create. But this article here is to, about the Defence Advanced Research Project Agency, DARPA. And this is also to do with, strange enough, insect allies. Now remember, DARPA is the Defence Advanced Research Projects Agency. Defence, right? 
And they're into basically the mosquitoes. The article just read there. This is the same people who who use mosquitoes and breed mosquitoes for carrying bacteria and uh, bacteria and viruses for warfare programs. But here they are doing this revolution technology gene drive. And who's behind it again? Well, you've got uh, you other different agencies, and you ones to do with DARPA too. And then you've got this one here. Insect allies and agricultural food production, fundamental human activity that contributes to defense, preparedness, social stability and economy and economic vitality. However, food production can be jeopardized by natural man-made threats and so on, so on, so on, so on, such as viruses, pests, fungi, herbicides, drought, pollution and so on. So, here they are, to achieve the goal that they've got, they've got insect allies, they call it, insect allies, this, this project, proposes to leverage a natural and efficient two-step delivery system to transfer modified genes to plants, insect vectors, and the plant viruses they transmit. So here you're going to use insects to do something. They've already tried, modified everything, but this is, the, this is how they're going to update them with new genes and so on by using insects. And you're going to be living amongst these insects, and you're going to be living amongst you, all these modified insects. In the process, DARPA aims to transform certain insect pests into allies, and in addition to protecting crops, the foundational knowledge and generalized tools developed under the program could support future agricultural innovation. Remember, too, that the very wealthy elite of the planet are eating what's called normal vegetables, which is non-modified, and and it's non-soaked in pesticides, and doesn't even have the rain from the modified geoengineering skies coming down on them either, uh, with all the different chemicals in it. Uh, they're actually growing them under domes and they've got other ones underground. <laughs> and they have their own drawn rights for that. They, so they, they won't come down with all the cancers and so on that we we obviously have to get because we're not supposed to be eating pesticides. And uh, so here's DARPA involved in the next phase of it with uh, you, you, releasing stacks of modified plants which will alter viruses, it says here, uh, alter fungi and all the rest of it too, uh, and so on and so on. Now, when Penn State team received $7 million award to enlist insects as allies for food security as part of this program too. It really amazing though, the, <laughs> when you look at everything that's really going on, it really is amazing. How it's just, just put out there as a statement of, of fact but, and we still pretend we're in democracies. I don't care. That the U.S., yeah, is supposed to be a republic. But that's been ignored for at least 100 years. And, but, but you still you say it's a democratic republic. You get to vote, and that's all you get to do. But you get to vote for whoever's presented in front of you. And uh, once they're in, they do what they want, because they all work for the same people. Everything else is a show, actually. So, as I say, Penn State's, uh, there's quite a few of these articles here.
And the next article I want to mention is, here's how the end of net neutrality will change the internet. That was about a week or two ago. And neutrality, of course, was this try and safeguard the internet so you couldn't be censored and this, that and the other if you weren't politically correct or whatever it happened to be. Or big corporations just didn't like what you were doing or, or just try and get other businesses out of the way so they themselves would dominate. Well, they've just, with the next article, it says the FCC has repealed net neutrality. So now they can censor you just like China and all the rest of it, which, which goes in the right, the right direction because that's how it was always planned to go, to train society. As, as Bertrand Russell said, eventually, you know, they would give you social approval and social disapproval and they would be the judges of it all through a system. Well, here you are with the system. And eventually it'll be, it'll be well, you either go along with it all if you want to eat, or you'll, you'll simply get no business at all if you're on the internet or whoever it happens to be, or they'll slow down your, or no one's going to see you on the net. That's another part of That's already been happening, of course. But anyway, under the new order, broadband internet will no longer be classified as a Title II service, and the added regulations that go along with that classification will be removed. Internet service providers will be free to practice blocking, throttling, and paid uh, prioritization as long as they disclose those practices as per a new transparency requirement. And the, the links are on this article here uh, for that tell you about Title I versus Title II classifications. Additionally, the FCC and FTC will now share jurisdiction over internet services providers and will work together to enforce transparency requirements and to investigate practices deemed anti-competitive, deceptive or unlawful. Further, states will not be able to, prov- to override the stipulations of the new order with their own legislation. Any new laws that contradict the FCC's newly enacted plan will be considered moot. Anyway, it had to go this way. I knew it would do, uh, and the internet was going to be a temporary thing. And the reason they gave you a lot of freedom initially was to make sure you all got on it, because you had to get all on it so they could monitor everybody and, and, and have you all trained to be on it for life. Most, so many youngsters now have, been, have grown up with it, and they'll never go off of it, no matter how tyrannical it becomes. Uh, that was always the intention. And once they got to a certain stage, and they know where, when they get to it, then they, they simply uh, start coming down on you. Say, you're bad, you're naughty, naughty. You're not going along with all the political correctness and so on. And you, you, you still think you've got the right to convey your ideas to other people. Yeah. Or even, even give your opinions, if you're asked the opinions, to other people. Like normal people, you should be able to say, well, what's your opinion on this? Well, blah, blah, blah. Well, you can't say that. Well, you just did say it. I mean, you just ask your opinion. But it's, it's going to go into more absurdity and more insanity as the agenda goes on, because that's it's meant to do that, until you're all trained to be living in a whole new, different system, a new, a new way of living, with experts literally giving you the mind that you have. You will not have your own mind. <laughs> and uh, there are many ways they can, they can actually improve on that down down the road, actually, uh, not far off, even talking about brain chips. I'll put one article upon brain chips, too, where they want to. They're always floating these ideas to get you used to it, too. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's quite amazing what's really going on. And that's pretty well it for tonight, because I have no time for anything else, actually. And mind you, I mean, I've been getting th- throttled on the Internet since I started, but so it's not news to me, and I don't believe you need the laws anyway to to 
I mean, if you had net neutrality before, I never saw it, not for me. And it's another thing, too, I was going to say, is that they've trained the people to think, well, you know, they make this a law or that a law. They do whatever they want, where it's, in, where it's lawful or not. Look at all the monitoring they've had on society, even before they passed any laws. They don't go along with Laws are for you to follow. No, the little people. And that's how it's, it's presented to us. Remember, too, you can still get books and discs at cuttingthroughmedies.com. And you can also donate if you feel like it. It's up to you. Anyway, for myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada, where it's very, very cold indeed. Every night now it's really, really cold. Let's go night me your God or your God's go with you.